we turn our Bibles now open to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Uh, we're going to pull out of First Samuel series this morning. Uh, we'll actually we'll be out of our First uh, Samuel series until the new year. We have Christmas Eve next week. Uh, we'll have a kind of a New Year's message. Josh Montague will be preaching on the, uh, the Sunday before the New Year. And as I was sort of thinking and praying for us, I, I had a, a, a message, kind of a, a burden in my heart to, to share on the front end of the year, um, a sermon that I've been preaching to my own soul for a while now. Um, but as I sort of talked with the team this week, we, we thought, you know what, this, this might just be fitting for us to get in our heart during the, the Advent season. The text we're going to look at this morning uh, is not a typical Advent sort of Christmas text, um, but it is certainly all about Advent. Um, Remember, that word Advent means uh, coming or arrival in this Christmas season. Advent, we look look back to Jesus' first coming in, in coming as a child and his work in the cross, and then we also anticipate in Advent his second coming, his return. And uh, I think, I think Jesus' teaching in John 15 will, will be a powerful help for us this morning as we, as we sort of live in this, these in-betweens. Um, so some, some questions, some sort of primer questions for our heart this morning. Maybe a sort of a pulse check, a, a dashboard, maybe a review, what, what, what lights are maybe blinking uh, on your dash. Where are you experiencing uh, right now maybe a sense of, of weariness? Or just fatigue. Maybe, maybe loss has been very pronounced for you. Um, weather and sickness has just been a grind for many of our families. And uh, uh, it's, t- it's tough. Um, fatigue physically, mentally, maybe just a sense of sort of burning out. I was speaking with a friend this week, and he just was sharing, I, I, kind of along the lines, I, I just feel so tired. I feel like, I feel like everything is just falling off of my plate. I keep trying, I'm working harder, and yet the more harder I work, it feels like the more I'm behind, and I'm realizing that I'm not resting in the Lord. Now, I'm trying hard, I'm doing a lot of things, but I'm, I'm missing connecting with Jesus. Maybe distracted, maybe a busy heart, maybe a fatigue, weary heart. A wonderful Sovereign Grace song I, I love to hear and sing in the New Year. It's a Christmas song called Prepare Him Room. It highlights this prophetic longing um, that, uh, of Jesus coming, anticipation, and yet Jesus coming in the, as the word, his kingdom arriving and coming near. And there's this refrain that comes from Psalm 24, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And, and the refrain in the song says this, Prepare Him Room. Prepare him room, let the king of glory enter in. But it's a third verse that that usually just gets me and sticks in my heart. And this is what it says. Oh, our hearts, as busy as Bethlehem, hear him knock. Don't say there's no room in the end. Through the cradle, cross, and grave, see the love of God displayed. Now he's risen and he reigns. Praise the name above all names. It's that first part of that verse. Busy hearts, busy as Bethlehem. It's an illustration of that night when, when Jesus was born. All the anticipation, the hope, the longing, the need for Jesus. 
don't, it's called don't miss, don't miss the display of this cradle, the cross and the grave and his resurrection. It's, it's here. Don't miss it. And it hits me because, because I'm guilty of just plodding through and, and missing, missing it. Missing it in the sense that I, I'm feeling the power and the good of that, the beauty of that, the, all the, the good that comes through the life-giving presence of Jesus. That's there for me, but it's kind of far away. Something else seems more important. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's your heart today. And my hope, my prayer has been this morning as we gather around God's word that Jesus would fill our hearts with his love, with his, his presence afresh. As we consider Advent, it wouldn't just be another sort of the old story that we're rehearsing, but we would experience Jesus. We would experience his life-giving power, his love, and it, it would go into our hearts. And we would get what our busy hearts, distracted hearts need to truly find joy and peace and rest in him. So let us read our text, and then I will pray for us. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11 this morning. Or someone else will read it for me. <laughs> Let's go to God's word. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, and let us say it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come come to your word and thank you for... Thank you for warming our hearts already this morning through singing and through your word and through truth coming from the mouths of babes that we need today. Um, Lord, would you grow this morning uh, in our hearts a a treasuring of you, Jesus, as the shepherds shepherds made haste to behold you, and when they encountered you, they left in wonder, glorifying and praising you. Would you allow that to happen for us today? And as Mary encountered that and she heard these praises in this truth, that she treasured it up in her heart. Lord, would you allow us to treasure you up in our hearts in a fresh way today? Let your peace reign. May Jesus be glorified and may we find greater joy in your son. Amen. Amen. Well, the Gospel of John doesn't have your usual Christmas narratives uh, like 
somewhere like in Matthew or Luke. Uh, Luke dedicates the most time and details to the Christmas story, Jesus' birth story, and John sort of comes at it a different way, and he helps the reader see Christ's arriving, this long-awaited Messiah, and it unfolds through, through his gospel, but this is how he sets up Jesus' entering into the world in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God, Son of God, comes as the incarnate Christ. And and John would say, light broke into darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He came as Emmanuel, God with us. He, he drew near to humanity. The divine entered in to dwell in tabernacle among us. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. I love that. He was God's plan. He was pleased to come and dwell with us. Jesus, our Emmanuel. So Advent, Christmas, is about Jesus coming near to those who were lifeless and dead and in darkness, who could not connect to the living God without his coming towards us in Jesus. And in his gospel, through his life, death, and resurrection, we find everlasting true life in him. Jesus' teaching in John 15 is, is about his coming, and by us connecting to him, trusting in him by faith, we find true, true life. So I want us to kind of uh, scan through this text. We're not going to be able to sort of exhaust all that Jesus is doing in this passage and uh, that we're not going to cover all of it. But I hope to, us to find and encounter Jesus through, through just looking at it in two parts. One, we're going to look at this metaphor of the vine, and then we're going to just see what Jesus is helping us see about abiding in him. Now, a little background to, to Jesus' teaching. This is the final I am teaching uh, the last of seven that he would teach. I, I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then the true vine. Jesus is teaching his disciples about this, this vivid uh, illustration that comes through a vineyard. It was a familiar vent metaphor because they, it was an agrarian culture. But, but more than that, in the Old Testament, God used the metaphor of the vineyard to describe the nation of Israel and his relationship with them. Israel was the, God's vine and connected to God, and, and they would bear fruit and prove that they were his people, his covenant people. And many times he was used to describe the, the fruitlessness of Israel as they disconnected from trust and rest and obedience in him as Lord. And now Jesus does something very profound and radical. The people of God are now no longer simply associated with God because they are in a certain nation of a particular people. But Israel are God's people now through Jesus. He is the true true vine. He is the greater fulfillment of all God's plan to redeem his people. True Israel are those who are connected to Jesus, this long-awaited Messiah, the anointed Savior. So God's people are those who have experienced salvation in Jesus and are now united to him 
by faith. And so this means it's open to all people, not just Jews who are in Israel, but every nation, every people can now become God's people through Jesus. So what is God wanting us to see in this, this metaphor? What is Jesus showing us? Well, who, sort of who's the who? Well, God is the vine dresser or the gardener. Jesus is the vine and his disciples are the branches connected to Jesus. So let's, let's just explore this for a moment. In, in the vineyard, the vine dresser, the gardener, would be the one who would oversee the entire vineyard. It's planting, it's cultivation. It would, the, vin, the vine dresser would know all of the, all the vines and the branches and oversee its nourishment and its appropriation of water and sun. It would know the vine well to know its, to prune it so that it could bear more fruit or to cut off the ones that are lifeless and are not connected to the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine from which all life comes. Sinful man unable to draw near to a holy God, is now able to connect to the life-giving power of God through Jesus because of what he's done. Remember what the angel told Mary in Matthew chapter 1. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And now through Jesus, by his infleshing work in his life, death, and resurrection, all who would repent, place their trust in Jesus, his perfect life, sacrificial death, are cleansed and are able to be united with Jesus. It's what Jesus was pointing to when he said, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you in verse 3. So his people, his disciples, now are the branches connected and united to Jesus. And if you're connected to Jesus, his life-giving spirit, those who are connected to him will bear fruit. Fruit of ongoing trust, dependence, love, obedience, fruit of the Spirit that we see in Galatians, love and joy and patience and kindness, faithfulness, self-control. And this fruit proves that we are in God through Jesus. And those who do not show they are not in Jesus. This is why it says in verse 2 that anyone who does not abide or remain or connected to Jesus and bear fruit are thrown away. But those who are in Jesus, this is the beautiful, glorious gift. The Father lovingly, carefully tends to his branches, the good gardener, tending to those who are his beloved so that they could bear more fruit and life in his son. Now note, it is not the job of the branch to bear fruit. It is the job of the branch to stay connected to Jesus, the vine. He is the one who bears fruit in his Disciples, we do not ultimately bear fruit, for we are the branches, but by the oversight of the gardener, the work of his hand, the life-flowing vine, Jesus brings fruit into his people. So, behind all our life in him, any fruit, like salvation itself, it is a work of God for those who stay connected to Jesus. And Jesus wants to give us life. Earlier in John 10.10, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Not just a trickle of life sustenance, but abundant life connected to Jesus. So Advent is his coming so that we may know this abundant life in Jesus Christ. The love of God in Jesus for us. And when we connect to him, we know this life. This comes through abiding in him. 
remaining in him. So let's take a a moment to consider this this abiding. Ten times, ten times we heard that word abide. The word abide can also be translated remain. Disciples abiding in him, remaining in him. It's this picture of continual reliance and connectedness to and on Jesus. I think about Jesus' repetition. It's possible Jesus repeated that, abide in me, abide in me, so much. It's because we can so easily disconnect from him as our source of hope and joy. This continual reliance can be a drift for us. We so quickly detach from, something, from him to something else as our source of life or joy. And Jesus makes this very clear in verse 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And these words are just astounding and startling and powerful. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This captures the essence of our life as disciples. All nourishment, all life that we need flows from Jesus. Just like a plant or a tree or a flower or blood in our veins, it comes from Christ, who is the Word, who is our true life and source. Do we we believe that? Do we believe that? I mean, we can still carry on life without Him. We can do things We can do meaningful things. We can serve people. We can care for our families. We can work jobs. We can care for neighbors. We we can just sort of move ahead in life. And yet, what I think Jesus is telling us is if we are to sustain spiritual fruitfulness, joy, um, bearing fruit that comes by His grace, it will only come, that will only come in us being connected to the life pulsating power that comes through us relying and trusting and looking to Jesus. The ESV study Bible puts it this way, to abide in me means this, and I think it's very helpful. To continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus, characterized by trust, prayer, obedience, and joy. Daily personal relationship connected to Jesus. We know that all of this is possible only by God's grace and power. We are not saved by our obedience. It is by faith in Christ. And we can only bear fruit, as we just said, by us being connected to Jesus. So as much as we would say, apart from me, him, salvation, we can do nothing. We have no salvation. Any fruitfulness of our, uh, our life comes through us being connected to uh, him our union with him, that is rock solid by faith alone. And yet there is a need for our ongoing, daily, remaining in connection to him. And I think Jesus expands his metaphor in those first verses to to express what some of those ongoing daily dependencies look like in him. So let's take a moment just to reflect on those. Look at verse 7. He says, abide in me in my If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Later in verse 10 it says, if you keep my commandments in reflection of abiding. John would write later in uh, in another one of his letters in 2 John 1.9, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God, 
Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Notice his use of abide again. In believing and obeying God's Word, His Word in us, it is evidence that we are remaining, that we are in Him. Abiding in His words. His words abiding in us. His truth in us shows that we are in Jesus. And what does His Word do? Well, He said earlier, my words cleanse you. We know His his words truly cleanse us. It gives us life. It keeps us from sin. It lets us follow and trust by abiding in Jesus. This is the life-giving power of the Spirit that flows in obedience to His Word. So, our, His words abiding in us leads us to obedience, and our abiding shows that we are pursuing Him. And His commands bring conviction and discernment and hope Helps us see and navigate what is true and false. What is truly going to give us peace. There's there's plenty of reasons right now, probably in your own life, in our world, for us to panic and have fear. What will keep us steady and find hope and calm in that storm? Jesus' words to us. Jesus' words that say, be still and know that I'm God. Jesus' words that know that He is governing every star and every hair on our head is known, and He speaks peace to us. And He says, I am good, and I do good. His truth, His word in us, so that we can then turn and trust. So, His words abiding in us. Next, we see that it proves that we are in His love. We're abiding in His love. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you remain in my love. To abide in His love speaks of of relationship. I love what D.A. Carson says, our love for Jesus is the wellspring of our obedience to Him. As our obedience to him is the demonstration of the reality of that love. This is not some utilitarian sort of transaction that God's looking for. Input, output. Like if we just go to the gas station, I swipe my card, I'm going to get gas, I give money. This is, this is not what is going on. It is God's love that has been poured out to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, in our heart, God's love It fills us with a desire to love Him and follow Him in trust and obedience. And this is the glorious gift. His mercy and grace comes to us before all of that obedience is called to it, and it's there and present for all of that call for us to follow Him. And so even in our weakness and in our failings, we turn again and we look to Christ again and again because we hear His words, apart from me, you can do nothing. Even in our obedience to be sustained and find forgiveness, we look to Jesus. So we could, we could read verse 10 in two ways. One, a demanding, merciful taskmaster. You want to be my disciple? Then love me and, and keep my commandments. Because you know what? I've kept my Father's commandments, so you do it too. Or we hear Jesus' heart. Our loving, merciful Savior beckoning us to, to something better. Beckoning us to joy. Do you, do you see how I have done all my Father has asked me? Have you witnessed my love for the Father in that? 
I have kept His Word and I have remained tethered to His love. Do you see the joy that I have and the hope that I have? I want this for you. I want my joy to be your joy. The love I have for the Father and the Father's love in me, I want that in you and I want that joy to burst out of you full to the brim because I know that is what it's going to satisfy you. Remain in my love. That's why Jesus would tell us in verse 11, these things I've spoken to you. Why? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be satisfactory, may just sort of get you through the day. No, that your joy may be full. I come that you may have life and life abundantly. Jesus calls us to this because He's achieved this perfectly for us, first and foremost. His joy, joy that He secured for us in His perfect life and obedience at and followed by His cross. And He reminds them more of that in verses 12-17, through 17, which I wish we had time to go into because He just tells them even more why He's loved them. What kind of love is this? This is a love that there is no greater than someone laid down his life for his friends. So no longer do I call you slaves. I, I call you my friends. I reveal my heart to you. I've given you my heart. I've given you my love. I've given you my joy. Think about our triune God, the Trinity. Father and Son and Holy Spirit eternally dwelling in perfect love in harmony and affection in the Advent God breaks in and He allows us to share in this mutual love and peace and fellowship and joy. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. Connect to my love. This is why Jude would come and finish his little letter in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How are we going to keep ourselves? We need to get connected to His love. The love of God that fills us with faith to trust and motivates any kind of obedience and is really truly for our current and eternal joy. And Jesus would go on to teach us in those following verses, and I just think it's helpful to comment that when his word comes and we're abiding in that and his love fills our heart, uh, an automatic overflow of that is our love for others. That's why in verse 17 he said, these things that command you that you love one another. Jesus enables us as we abide in Him as love to forgive and empower, empowers us to love others and serve others. And part of that plan of us, of us connected to Jesus is an overflow knowing there's more joy as we're connected to His people, His community. So, His words remaining in us, us remaining in His love. And another thing we can see is that this connected relationship, this abiding invites us, us to, to communicate, to to prayer. Jesus says when you abide, you begin to, you begin to pray. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And later in verse 16, it tells his disciples that I've chose you, I've called you my friends, I want you to be fruitful so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Ask whatever. What an invitation. What an invitation for us. Ask, pray, our abiding, our dependence, our remaining is expressed in prayerful dependence. Ask whatever. Maybe that, that whatever is just like, Lord, I, I need help right now. And he hears those words. 
And he's moved towards us. He moves towards us in those words that he may give it to you. His words in us, and we get to know his heart, we know his will, and we can pray more acutely in faith, knowing his heart and knowing his will. But, but this abiding, this relational abiding, leads to freedom and liberty and asking. I mean, think about it. it it's like good friends, right? You just, you just speak out when you're with your good friends. With your stranger, somebody you don't know, this is sort of this uncomfortable calculating of words. You've got to kind of maybe couch or throw out some disclaimers. Maybe you just really won't be very honest where you are. And yet, as beloved friends, Jesus says, just speak. Come to me and speak. He is our Emmanuel, so we can pray. Advent is when he came near and it's a time for us to rehearse and renew our, our need. And not only our need, but our access to come near and abide. Remain in Jesus for his love to grow in our hearts. For our communion, our fellowship to grow in him. But we know, saints, we can be, we can be positionally secured in, in our salvation in Christ. Justified, adopted, and yet... And yet, relationally, there, there is a, a distance, a, a satisfaction, a fellowship that could be afar. I know this, this may be kind of cliche, but, but this, this ring on my finger is an active representation of my covenant with, with Hillary. It is one committed to before God and before his church, and it means that there is fidelity there. But just because I have this on does not mean my relationship with Hillary is automatically attended to. If my rhythm was to sort of wake up, go to work, and then come home, eat some food, nod my head in gratitude, go downstairs and just sort of disappear for the night, come up, go to bed, and just rehearse that over and over again, things would not be going well at the old Trigoboff household. The pursuit is part of my abiding in that covenant. And that is something we must attend to. I love how Jesus just invites us into the Trinitarian fellowship that he has, the Father and the Son, their mutual love, true and encouraging, feeding on that, living in the good of that. And so in our weariness, at times it can come, though there may be just sorrows and hardships that are just present, but it could come from an absence of our connectedness to Jesus himself. I think we could... We can, in other words, say we, uh, we, uh, we're abiding and remaining in some alternatives that we think will fix our longings. In the end, turn, they, they don't. And these could, be, these could be sort of in a negative category or sort of positive category. I think in that negative, it could be those things we just escape. It could be things, could be stuff, could be substances. As I talk with folks and as they just sort of share their heart, the, the common struggle, I think, is just for us to sort of abide and escape to technology or digital entertainment. Any form of movies, games, or phones, endless TikToks or social media. We just, maybe it's just a sense we got to sort of numb out from anxieties or find refuge from stress. It's interesting that we, we call them our feed. We just, just, I was just thinking about this this week. What, what am I feeding on? The, the AI algorithms are not giving what you really need or what you really want. 
I came across this very helpful quote this week from an author named Samuel James who's been writing on thinking through this. He says, the internet makes no distinction between what is relevant to us or what is not relevant to us. What is part of the life that we're supposed to live or what doesn't really matter. The internet just represents, presents everything like a fire hose at us. And so first of all, it's exhausting to sift through that. Every day, there's just so much. There's a new status, a new photo, a new video, a new controversy. It's just nonstop. That's exhausting. I, I feel that. It, it thinks, we think it's feeding us what our soul really needs, when in reality, it's, it's giving us no nourishment ultimately. Yes, there are good things we can feed on. I'm talking about the things that, that people are paying big cash for, to put in front of your face that really they don't know you really need. But our Savior knows what we need. Our Savior knows what our soul deeply needs, and we can come and feast on Jesus, the life-giving vine. He's inviting us to remain in Him, abide in Him for that life. Or it could be positive things that we abide in, good things like work or tasks that we throw ourselves in that they make us feel like there's success or accomplishments and meaning, um, but we can neglect a better thing that will bring us life. My mind goes to that familiar story of Mary and Martha. Remember that busy serving. Martha's just exhausted, hurry, distracted is what Jesus would even call it. Worried about many things. In contrast to Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Choosing the better thing, listening, resting, connecting to Jesus' heart. That is where we will be satisfied. His advent, Jesus' coming, does not offer us do more, work harder, run faster, try more. His advent comes to us, my friends, to give us himself. Life-giving joy. Life-giving rest. In His love, in His Word, in our communion with our wonderful Counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. This is what our souls most need. And this is what God did not withhold Himself from us in His advent. He came. So it can be busyness. It could be distractions. It could be these escaping abidings. Maybe you're here this morning and what's keeping you from drawing near is is a sense of shame and guilt. This is the glorious gift of Jesus and what he has accomplished. We don't clean ourselves up to come and connect to Jesus. Jesus speaks his words and said, I have made you clean by his work. You come to him. Come to him. The invitation is for you to come to him. Saints, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. And our invitation is to find all that we need in himself. So what does it look like in the coming days, maybe coming year, for, for us to slow down busy Bethlehem hearts, distracted hearts, weary hearts, to come and abide in Jesus this Christmas? I, here's just a few practical ideas that maybe springboard from our text, but I just hesitate to give a list. I want you to allow the Spirit to speak and ask the Lord, but 
But maybe, what does it look like to abide in His Word? To get your heart before Him. Maybe it's just taking Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, those powerful Christmas narratives, and just every day this coming, we just reading those, slowing down and meditating, connecting to Jesus' coming in His Word. Maybe it's solitude time. Maybe there's just a, a very intentional way you can set your schedule and plan to come and just ask of Jesus. Bear your heart with your friend. He's knocking to commune with him, and he invites you in Matthew eleven twenty eight to come to me. All who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to him. Maybe the Lord just wanted to prune something. Just maybe let play off that a little bit. What what do you need to just cut off? Maybe it's a schedule. Maybe it's something you just need to turn off. Um so that you could, you could come and abide and find fresh life and joy in him. Jesus' advent was so we could live the here and now in the daily abiding in the good and beauty that has come because of what he has done for us. And we also realize that advent is an expectation of a future coming again. When a fuller, forever, eternal abiding with him will come. And there, there will be no barrier to that. There will be no distraction to accessing that love and that fellowship. And our hearts long for that. And so in the in-between, let us, let us draw near. Let us remain. Let us abide in his rest and his love and his joy now as we expect that future thing. Let 1 Peter 1 just sit on our hearts. Though we have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Lord, would you, would you teach us, teach us to abide this Christmas in a, in a deeper way? Heavenly Father and Son and Spirit, thank you for inviting us into the the triune joy and peace and love that you have had through, through eternity. And as we connect to you, Jesus, our life, our hope, our joy, our peace, Lord, we get to share in that. And so, Lord, would you help us to slow down this this coming holiday? into this coming year right now where we are and and to abide. Lord, I pray for those who who labor and are heavy laden. Would you give them rest as they come to you, Jesus? If there are any that are just at a standstill, feeling far away because of sins that they feel are just too great, Lord, would you let them draw near to the one who cleanses and washes. That's you, Jesus. In the areas that we just need to prune and sort of cut away that are distractions for our busy hearts, Lord, give us the strength and the courage and the help to shave those away so that Jesus, we could find the fruit of satisfaction in you. Thank you that you've come to give us life and life abundantly, Jesus. We give you praise, give you thanks.